everyone and welcome to another episode of the cross with faithful i am your host faithful and i welcome you once again to another episode on this series a christian struggle with today's episode we're going to be talking about a christian struggle with living in an anti-christian culture living in an anti-christian culture i mean there was a time where it was a post-christian culture around when you know christians were first formed and the basic norm was christianity but it is no news now that we are practically living in a culture and in a world where Christianity is something that's really frowned upon. A time where people have to hide their beliefs. People have to gather secretly. Christians have to gather secretly. Where people will come to salvation in Christ, risk lo- losing their lives, their family connections their livelihoods that's the kind of world we live in but I mean I'm grateful that there are still places where you know we can openly worship God but you know our society is becoming more and more intolerant of Christianity and Christian beliefs so now the question how can we remain faithful in a post-Christian culture what does the Bible, what wisdom does the scripture offer for dealing with this kind of times? What should we expect and how can we prepare for this time? Because it is growing rapidly. The anti-Christian culture is growing. truth of the matter is Peter wrote his first epistle in an environment where Christianity was frowned upon. He wrote first Peter and first Peter acts as a guide for us right now. It acts as a principle by which to follow for dealing with times like this. From 1st Peter, we get five principles that Peter gives us to live by as we strive to follow Christ in a post-Christian culture and in an anti-Christian culture. Well, post and anti is almost the same thing, I guess. Post is after Christianity. It's basically where people are no longer phased or no longer want to follow Christ. So he gave us five principles, so let's dive into it. The first principle is, keep your eyes on the prize. Your heart is pumping furiously. Leg muscles scream, the marathon runner rounds the last bend. 
The cheering crowds grow exponentially louder as he approaches the end of his race. What's the worst thing he could do at this moment? To take his eyes off the finishing line. Peter opens his letter by reminding us of our great and glorious finish, finish line, the end result of our salvation. undefiled and will not fade away reserved in heaven for us for each and every one of us this can be found in first peter 1 verse 4 and first peter 1 4 says and into an inheritance that can never perish spoil or fade this inheritance is kept in heaven for you our faith when proven genuine and more precious than gold but the fires of suffering will result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ this again can be found in 1 Peter 1-9 like a marathon runner we have to keep the end goal in mind don't take your eyes off the finish line we cannot be deceived into spending our time and our energy preoccupied by what's happening in the culture, you know, so much as to forget our future. Slowing down to listen to the cheering or mocking crowds, looking around to compare our pace to another runner, or stopping to look backwards at where we've already been, are always to guarantee we stumble and fall. You know, the Bible tells us never to look back on our sin. You know, never just sit down and be like, oh, I remember when I was a sinner. I remember when I used to do this. Because you're giving the devil room into your heart. Have you noticed the division that is occurring in the body of Christ? You know, over things like culture, politics, and other social issues? Are you discouraged by, you know, criticism and mocking of those who despise Jesus? Have you been tempted to um, compromise to win crowds over, to win approval? How many times have you heard, I just can't wait to get back to normal? (laughs) You know, For a true believer, the Holy Spirit will convict us to finish, but we don't want to stumble into heaven. We don't want to be distracted and scarred by worldly worldly values. The culture we live in has many distractions. Keeping a heavenly perspective basically gives us the right focus and desire for living in it without being caught up in it. We're reminded in the Bible that we are in the world, but we are not of the world. This is not our home. This is not our final destination. And so many times we forget this and we think of this world as our home. We ought, we ought to, you know, fix our hope 
completely on the grace to be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1.13 says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. So one thing, one way to fully live in this post-Christian and anti-Christian culture is to keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on the prize. Remind yourself that at the end of it all, you're going to be looking at Jesus Christ. You're going to be able to see God. You're going to be able to worship with other believers. You're going to finally have a home. I mean, we already have a home that is in heaven. But, you know, we have to run the race. We have to actually finish the race. The thought of being with Christ forever remind yourself of that the second one is be determined to live a holy life be determined to live a holy life living in a post-christian culture requires an awareness of spiritual warfare There's a battle going on for the souls of men and this battle is basically between the spirit of God, the angels of heaven and our enemy, the devil and his demonic spirits, the fallen angels. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the dark powers, against the world forces of this darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heaven in heavenly places Ephesians 6 12 a lot of battles that we might think are physical battles or indeed spiritual battles and Peter basically tells us to prepare our mind for action prepare your minds in other ways, put on the full, but your full battle armor. You know, put on your game face. Suit up. Get ready for battle. Christ has already suffered in flesh, so we are to arm ourselves with the same purpose. The purpose of setting our minds not to sin. That's the purpose we're given. That's our drive. Don't sin. But also not just not sinning, but growing in your relationship with Christ. Be determined to live holy, no matter how hard it may be. When culture disintegrates around us and several distractions come we recognize them as the schemes of the devil who is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for who to devour we are to resist him and be firm in our faith you know and we're also told countless times in peter's letter 
of the importance of living godly lives in an ungodly culture. We are not to participate in sensual, lustful lifestyles that we see around us. I mean, that's something that's becoming so prominent because everybody wants to belong and nobody wants to make another person not belong because there's cancel there's cancel culture there is um once you don't adopt or once you don't accept somebody's way of living it's like you become this terrible person so don't participate in the sensual lustful lifestyles that you see around you and i see around me because god called us out of sin to live in holiness and the book, uh, and the book of First Peter one fourteen to sixteen says, as obedient children, do not conform to the e- evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he, he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy, for I am holy. It isn't like okay, we're given, we're told to be holy, and we have no example of a holy father. We are not to be like the world. We are not to have a reputation for malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. But we're called out to be separate, a chosen generation, holy people who belong to God. You know, we're called to have so much love. Because I feel like something that's become becoming very, very um, common is discrimination in the church as Christians we're supposed to be the most loving forms of people in the world the people who show other people the love of Christ who show others the way to love so why aren't you loving your neighbor why aren't you loving that person that you have deemed so unworthy of love if God hasn't rejected such a person who how dare you who are you to deem somebody unworthy peter tells us that as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust which wage war against the soul and to keep our behavior excellent so that evil doers themselves will glorify god your the way you behave people watch it whether or not you think you're being watched if you are so loving people won't be able to deny that you're a christian and because of the love that you show them they themselves might be attracted to christ but the moment you are judging people for their sin you are discriminating against them because they don't believe the same thing that you do how do you expect them to love Christ how do you expect them to follow Christ the third one we're given the third principle is let God's word be your authority and priority have you ever um, been around a hungry baby one moment they are wailing they're, cr- they're okay no first 
before they get hungry, they are lying in your arms, perfectly happy, content. And then, what, 60 seconds later, they can be wailing and screaming like they haven't eaten in days. When it's time for milk, they make their concerns and their needs known in no uncertain terms. This craving, this absolute, can't be satisfied with anything else. Basic human need is exactly the kind of desire Peter tells us we must have for God's word. Like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. That is 1 Peter 1, 2 verse 2. Once we've tasted the kindness of the Lord, nothing else should satisfy should satisfy us. If we are to survive in a post-Christian, anti-Christian culture, God's word must be the final authority and the highest priority of our lives. It is by the living and enduring word of God that we are born again. It is this word that was preached to us and we must cling to it without question. One of the greatest threats in a post-Christian culture is the diminishing respect and belief in the Bible. So many times people question the Bible, question that, oh, this even happened at all. If we walk away from God's word, like in even the smallest compromise, we will undermine our faith and lose our credibility to proclaim the gospel at all. When you know you are teaching someone about the word of God, never give it your own definition. Say it how it says, say how the Bible says it. You know, this love of and faith in God's word protects us from the false teachers who are even now in our midst and will grow in number and influence as the time of Jesus return nears. And from Second Peter two one to three, you know we're told about false teachers who are warned against those who proclaim the word of God but are not really true. God's word gives us wisdom as we submit to human authorities, recognizing that God's authority always supersedes man's laws you know god speaks through his word teaching us what is right and good and time in god's word strengthens us encourages us and equips us with the answers we need to witness in a post-christian culture so the more time you spend in the presence of god the more time you spend reading your bible the better equipped you are to face times like this, to face an anti-Christian culture, to remain steadfast in an anti-Christian culture. And especially in these times, we need to be found constantly in the word of God, constantly abiding by the word of God, because in a world where good is seen as evil and evil is seen as good we need to have a certain definition of what is good and what is evil 
don't let the world ever define that for you don't let the world ever define good and evil for you because there is a washed up version of good and evil very very prominent in the world we live in now one is to love others well with the love of Christ you know notice how I mentioned this earlier in this post-christian culture there are only two types of two types of people those who love God and those who don't you know whether or not you lie to yourself it will be evident whether or not you love Christ or you don't but you know both kinds of people need the same thing Jesus wants us to love our neighbors as ourselves, which is, you know, Luke 10, 27. All people, all people need the love of Christ. Especially in this culture, especially in this post-Christian, anti-Christian culture. All people, everyone, regardless of age, size, culture, belief, you know, race, religion, everybody needs the love of Christ. And Peter tells us and gives us insights as to what this love looks like. For those who know Christ, for my our spiritual brothers and sisters, we are to fervently love one another from the heart from our hearts we have a connection in the Holy Spirit as the people of God we are living stones built up as a spiritual household so we are to exhibit grace and forgiveness to one another as love covers a multitude of sins you know forgiveness is something that's very different especially depending on has been committed and because we have the holy spirit we're constantly we're constantly supposed to forgive people who have done us wrong we're supposed to show an example of how christ forgives other people and doesn't hold them to their sins you know, as members of the body of Christ, we are to serve one another, we are to show hospitality, we are to fulfill our callings and responsibilities in church with grace and humility. You know, and for those outside the faith, we are called to an even higher kind of love. A love that seeks to impact the unbeliever with an indisputable representation of Christ and the gospel. Show them how Christ loves them. Because, I mean, just walking up to them and say, Oh, God loves you so much. Christ loves you so much. He wants to forgive. I mean, he's, he can forgive you all your sins. The first thing they're going to ask themselves is, okay, you call yourself a Christian, how are you going to show me love? I mean, already, while you were walking, you were already giving me some kind of attitude, you know, and yet you're supposed to be a representation of Christ. Hmm. 
If we are reviled or accused, we are to trust God and keep silent, just as Jesus did. If we are insulted, we are to return a blessing. <clears throat> like I know sometimes when we are insulted, we want to fire back, we want to say our own. Because, I mean, in our minds, we're like, you're not the only one who could insult. I could insult you as well. But you're a Christian. When you're insulted, respond with a blessing. First Peter 3.9 tells us not to repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, you were told to repay evil with blessings because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. We are to be sympathetic, humble, kind-hearted, and harmonious. We are not to fear intimidation or be troubled, but use every opportunity, every opportunity to share the gospel in a gentle and reverent way. Praying that the word of God will bring those will bring spiritual life to those who are dead. This is what we're told in Peter. I would encourage you to read 1 Peter and 2 Peter, the books of 1 Peter and 2 Peter. It, gives, it tells us a lot about how to live in the world we're currently living. This one once again says love. Love. Don't be hard-hearted. Don't be unforgiving. Don't be judgmental. Don't don't discriminate. Love everybody. Regardless of what sin you think they're committing, what lies you think you love you know they've told. Love. You know, one thing that I found so it was quite crazy to me it was when I was reading the story of Pope John Paul II about um, this particular man that shot him four times. Four times. I, I mean, definitely he didn't die, but he was shot four times. You know, and he was arrested. He was put in prison. Pope John Paul visited him over and over. He kept on going to prison to see him, telling him that oh he forgave him, you know, and everything like that. He visited the guy's mother like all the time. Spoke to her. Even received an apology from the boy's brother. And a few years after he was arrested, because I think he was given life in prison, but a few years after, Pope John Paul begged them to release him, you know, to basically let him go. Such a person's life. <laughs> I mean, at first I was like, why? Why would anybody do that? I mean, this is somebody that shot you four times. But then I was reminded that, you know, the love of Christ doesn't seek to condemn anybody but to redeem to redeem people who are deemed a lost cause and to forgive we've nailed Christ to the cross over and over because of how many times we've sinned but each time he's ready to go just to win us back and this is 
something like what Pope John Paul did. He forgave him for shooting him, trying to kill him. And this man's life was changed forever. His family's life was changed forever. And that is love. That is divine love, divine forgiveness. And I don't think I'm at that level yet, but you know, <laughs> every day we learn more about the love of Christ. And it's just something that I want to be able to. I mean, definitely, I never want to be short, but showing that kind of love to people is my desire i mean definitely christ's desire for me but my desire for myself as well i want to be that loving person people feel safe around people see how christ loves them through the way i love them you know and the final one is be prepared to suffer don't tell yourself oh this Christian journey is just going to be a smooth ride and no trouble Mm-mm-mm. be prepared to suffer in Peter's letter his short letter he mentioned suffering 16 times you know the word appears far more than in any other book of I mean, this is because he wanted to make a point, right? Those who desire to live for for Christ in an antagonistic environment, hostile to God, will suffer persecution, trials, temptation, insults, and evil acts intended to harm and destroy. That's facts. But you know, even though suffering is the main topic of Peter's writing, the letter is uplifting and encouraging because he tells us how to navigate life in the face of it. Suffering identifies us with Christ and 1 Peter 2 verse 21 tells us that to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Suffering for doing what is right finds favor with God. Suffering refines us and purifies us into the image of Christ. And First Peter 4 1 tells us, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. Because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. Hmm. Whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. It reveals our faith as genuine and will result in praise, honor, and glory when Jesus is revealed. And thankfully, suffering only lasts for a short time. You know, as long as you view it and you view this life in perspective of eternity. One thing I think, or I think to myself a lot is, suffering now is better than suffering going through trials um, going through persecution temptations criticism in this world rather than suffering in the next is better because 
because if I do that now, if I hold fast to my, if I hold fast to my faith, and I cling to Christ with the assurance that heaven will be mine, my forever home, I take that, I take the narrow path over the wide one every day and every chance I get. We are living in a post-Christian culture and we're told by scripture that the freedom to worship God will eventually be taken away from all of us. I mean, we can find this in Revelation and you know, all through the Bible, it's something that is insinuated as well. And a command given to worship a one world leader, the Antichrist, will you be ready to suffer for your faith? Now is the time to focus. Keep your eyes on Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, and one with endurance, so that we will not grow weary or lose heart. We must determine to keep ourselves holy, separate from the temptations and distractions of the enemy, and put down our roots deep into the infallible word of God. We must love others with the same kind of love that God loves us, surrounding ourselves with brothers and sisters of like-minded faith while reaching out to the lost who need Jesus. Add more to your circle. Bring more people to the love of Christ. With gentleness and respect, and when the suffering comes, and it will, definitely, Peter tells us to cast all our cares and anxiety on God because he cares for us. And this is taken from 1 Peter 5.7. A commitment to prayer will bind our hearts and minds to Christ as well and give us the power we need to live as Christ followers, sojourners and pilgrims on our way home. 1 Peter 5.10 reminds us, After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Hmm. All this was taken from BibleStudiesTools.com So if you want to go and check it out, you should. But let's just stay on 1st Peter 5.10 for a while. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Suffering may endure for a while, but we're reminded that joy will always come. Joy will always be ours knowing that we're doing this for Christ, we're doing this for our Savior, we're doing this for a heavenly and eternal home as well. Being a Christian isn't the easiest thing, don't let anybody deceive you, but it is the most rewarding thing. It comes with all forms of trials, temptations, basically being someone the devil wants to destroy. 
But at the end of it, the reward is far more greater than the suffering. The reward is so great, we would forget our suffering completely. And my prayer for you is, and for myself as well, is that we all learn to live with a Christ-like mindset. To live as true Christians. To live as Christians in this world that doesn't like Christianity or frowns upon anything that is godly. May we also remember what truly is good and what truly is evil and not the washed up version. I also pray that we, at the end of the suffering, at the end of it all, that we find each and every one of ourselves who have been persistent and enduring, that we may find ourselves in our eternal home worshipping and praising the ruler and owner of our lives I want to see you all the way I want to be seen also in heaven because what's the point of going through this world going through this terrible and sometimes heartbreaking world if at the end we don't get to go to heaven Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for teaching us yourself. Holy Spirit, we adore you. We ask that you continue to give us the keys to living in this world. And you remind us that we are in this world, but we are not of this world. We are of you. Help us to love people the way you love us, to bring more people to your kingdom, to spread more time in your Help us to pray constantly and to, to have our hearts and minds feel, um, have our hearts and mind focused on you and you alone. Thank you, Lord, and we look forward to eternity with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being patient with me. I haven't been the most consistent my sincere apologies like I am I feel so bad all the time and I'm so sorry and I will definitely try to no I will definitely work on my consistency but I thank you for your patience I thank you for your feedback as well I hope this message has touched you and if it has please remember to share remember I start doing the work of God share this and touch a life or lives remind them that we will make it by God's grace thank you so much for listening remember to follow this podcast at the cross with faithful podcast on instagram you can also message me using the link tree link you can send me an email if you want and if you have any questions or a topic you would like me to talk on yeah but don't remember sorry don't forget to share is important
item that you will share this message especially if it has impacted your life in any way at all like comment so that the page grows as well and reaches more people thank you once again for listening i wish you the best week ever the best day ever and i pray that we all at the end of it find our reward which is in heaven i love you so much i love you so much i'm my love for you constantly grow but god's love for you is way more and i couldn't even complete that so i love you but god loves you more stay blessed and fruitful bye